Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. I'm raising the ante. Anybody wants in, get in. Anybody wants out, get out. Okay? This team is going to the playoffs. Okay? This team's going to the playoffs. Well, there's former Giants head coach Jim Fossil back in that 2000 season and an all-time moment in franchise history, not only because of how excellent that sound is, and it has aged well. That sound is great, and it's been shared all over the place uh, this past week, but because of what happened after it, right? The response by the Giants, the run they made to not only prove their head coach right, but to reach that 2001 Super Bowl. Uh, Just an awesome moment in Giants history. And and Dan, we haven't talked or recorded a pod in in a few weeks. We could catch up a little bit later in the show. We did say we'd be back this summer if the news warranted, and this certainly qualifies. So right off the bat, Coach Fossil's story with the Giants. It's a fun story in a lot of ways, but the news of his passing at the age of 71 due to a heart attack. I mean, I've been, I'm kind of searching for a better word, but it's just sad, right? The, the way this went down is it's sad. It's a tough week for Giants Nation. It is. It's, it's you know, it's a terrible situation that happened uh, for the Fossil family, his friends. Uh, obviously, I feel for all of them. Um, they lost a great man. They really did. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, the younger generation is getting to see over the last couple of days. Um, and all the all the mourning and all the condolences and all the takes on, on Fossil, um, the one thing that stands out above the rest and is abundantly clear and everybody repeats the same line is that he was just a great man. And he really was genuinely a great man. And uh, he was a very good coach. And, I, and we'll talk about that a little bit as this podcast goes on. Uh, but I, I think the legacy that, you know, Fossil will bring with him isn't just what happened in 2000 after that great speech. And that is an all-timer as far as football goes. Uh, but it's important to remember that he actually coached the Giants through 9-11. And uh, not only did he coach the Giants through 9-11, um, I know, you know, I'm not sure how many people actually know this story, uh, but the Giants actually deplaned on September on the morning of September 11th as Flight 93 boarded next to them. So the Giants and Fossil actually passed all of those unfortunate people uh, on the morning of September 11th. And then obviously in the aftermath of the attacks, Fossil went down to ground zero uh, personally to shake the hands and meet the first responders. And uh, he ensured that for the remainder of that season, um, that his players, his coaches, and the rest of the franchise all wore FDNY and uh, NYPD hats uh, straightforward. That was his big thing. You wear them straightforward. You don't wear them backwards. You don't wear them side. You will honor these people. And that's exactly what they did. I think the one thing I wanted to say about Fossil, Dan, is, I mean, you look at his career coaching record, 58-53-1, good, but uh, no, nobody's going to put Jim Fossil in the pantheon of greatest head coaches of all time or anything, but he doesn't have the record of, like, a Tony Dungy, but he seems to be revered in the same way, you know what I mean? Like, nobody has a bad thing to say about Jim Fossil, and, and I no. think... That's a pretty neat trick for a guy who coached the Giants for seven years. And while that 2000 season was epic and the run they made after that speech running the table, remember that NFC Championship game? They blasted the Vikings. Oh, my God. And they were underdogs in that game. And they freaking annihilate. I think it was like 40 to nothing. 41 to nothing. 41 to nothing. 41 to nothing. We we were talking. Our writers at Giants were talking about that yesterday. And and it's it's sort of funny. The Giants – 
they they beat the brakes off of those Vikings. It's the most dominant Giants victory I've ever seen in my entire life. And and like I said, we were talking about it yesterday, and we generally all agree the Giants very easily could have scored ninety points that game if they didn't take their foot off the gas. They were just smacking around one of the best teams in the NFL like they were in a totally different league. It was unbelievable, and we and you know it made you think. Do we have a game here in the Super Bowl? Because that Ravens team was out of control. You couldn't score on them. Right. I think the only I think one team's I think it was the Titans scored ten points on them in the playoffs. So that was it. Nobody could score two touchdowns on the Ravens. They were too dominant. Obviously that played out. But here here's where I was going with that previous little take. Like Fossil, he coaches the Giants for seven years. He gets to a Super Bowl, but he didn't win one. And he is just revered. And I think that just says a lot about the, him as a person, right? I mean, Giants fans love him. There's nobody has a bad thing to say about him, and it's not like he, you know, won more than any other. Co- you know what I mean? I just feel like right. that just says a lot about who he is, his character, and all that. There, there was a little controversy after his, his final season and it came to his firing. The fans had, you know, at the time they were four and twelve, and the fans, you know, Giants fans, they're they're impatient <laughs> and they turn quickly and. Uh, but it's sort Four of like 12 it was, will do that to you. Four right. 12, it you know. was sort of like it was with Eli. You know, at the end of Eli's career, blame whatever you want on, you know, the, the failures of those giants. It's irrelevant to the point of this. You know, the, the fans had sort of turned on Eli and wanted him gone. But in that last game that Eli played, the Giants fans came out and they showed the respect. They cheered him. They gave him a standing ovation. And after Fossil was fired, every time he came back in the building, he was received the same exact way. And he's he's you know, he's looked back on very fondly and he will forever be looked back on very fondly. Is he on the Mount Rushmore Giants coaches? You know, there's certainly a conversation to be had. Um, you know, obviously Parcells, Coughlin, Sivo, and they're right at the top of that list. And then there's a couple others that you could, you know, make the debate about. But Fossil's in that conversation. And I think that speaks volumes about who he was as a coach, who more importantly, who he was as a person. And it is somewhat surprising to, to know that after, you know, his stint with the Giants, Fossil never... He never got another opportunity to coach, and it's almost sort of surreal that, that he never got that opportunity in the NFL again. He was doing some, like, non – he was still in football out in Las Vegas, right? right? But it wasn't the Yeah, NFL. he won two titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, yeah, there are some interesting stories about Fossil, but I think I was reading a little bit on him, and uh, I saw a story in the L.A. Times. I thought they had an interesting lead where they talked about how the Jets had that Joe yeah. Namath, like, guarantee – and this was the Giants version of Joe Namath, right? It gave right. the Giants that thing when he right. stood at that podium and said, I'm pushing my chips on the table. We're going to the playoffs. And the Giants, Dan, I, re- I kind of forgot about that season a little bit. I remember how it ended, but I forgot about the middle. I forgot that they had just lost to like a crappy Lions team. They were kind of right. in the, you know, they're kind of mediocre. Their record was, uh, I think, seven and four or seven and five. Seven and, f- seven and four. Seven yeah. and four. And, you know, Fossil does that speech and what's kind of fun about that speech is that if the Giants miss the playoffs he's fi- he's probably getting fired right he's probably like he had had a really good start to his tenure with the Giants but it was starting to it's starting to peter and if the Giants kind of fall off the table there don't make the playoffs maybe he does get fired so that was a big moment for Fossil and the team's response to freaking run the table like we said and go all the way to the Super Bowl and prop him up and like let him continue for a few more years is uh yeah, it's epic. It's a, it is a very Joe Namath like uh, moment for the Giants, so they can say <laughs> and, that and, thing. Take right, that, Jets. The, the difference there, though, and, and it, it, you know, it's a great comparison. But Namath was very outspoken and confident. Fossil was very quiet and reserved. And I think it was Michael Strahan who actually once told the story that, 
you know, they kind of chuckled initially at Foss's speech, but then he said the players, the more they thought about it, they realized that this guy is going in the battle with them, and he just literally shouldered the entire load of New York um, in one fell swoop, and they had never seen him act or talk like that before, so it really fired them up. And um, what I what I find particularly interesting looking back on that speech now is that he gave an all-in speech in East Rutherford years and years and years before all-in became Tom Coughlin's you know, go-to motto uh, with the Giants when they went to the Super Bowl in 2007. What's even more interesting about that, and this is the kind of small world that we live in, and, and, and you know, you have these roundabout Kevin Bacon-like situations, is that in that season, in Week 17, the Giants defeated Tom Coughlin's Jacksonville Jaguars to clinch home field advantage That's in the playoffs. Point. Good point. You know. And uh, another thing I think that gets lost is, as far as Fossil, because, again, we, we talk about how great of a, a man he was, and he was. And you can't take that away from him. He's one of the, the good guys in the NFL. There's no one that says a bad word about him. But I, I think sometimes what he did as a coach sort of gets overlooked because he did never win that Super Bowl. But when you look back on the talent that Coughlin coached, I mean, uh, excuse me, Foss, uh, Fossil coached, he actually revitalized and revived the career of Kerry Collins. He saved the career of Tiki Barber. He enhanced the career of Michael Strahan. When you look back on it now, it's like Collins is the fourth all-time leading passer in Giants history. Tiki Barber is the first all-time leading rusher in Giants history. Strahan is the first all-time, you know, he's the leading sacks getter in Giants history. Even players like Brad Delwiso, their kicker, is third all-time in Giants scoring. Amani Toomer is first all-time in receiving. He, and he coached other greats, too, like Armstead, Seahorn, Philippi Sparks. He, he coached a lot of really great, legendary Giants talent over those years. And it does sort of get overshadowed because they never won the title. But there, there was some great, great years there uh, with high, a high level of success, you know, individually as a team. And again, he did. He won the AP Coach of the Year in 1997. He was the first ever uh, coach and team to go undefeated in the NFC East. So there were a lot of amazing things that he did as a coach that sort of get forgotten about, and I don't believe that they should. Yeah, and and it's funny how you talk about how Fossil kind of changed his tone in that presser. Uh, you know, nobody really expected him to say that. It's something right. you would expect Joe Judge to say, right? That's something that's, <laughs> yeah. that's more in Joe Judge's forte. Right. I want to check on your well-being. I know there's been some stuff going on. There's been some articles on Giants Wire. Please scroll through if you haven't in a while. I know we're in the offseason here, but uh, there's been plenty of heat on the Giants. I, I want to thank um, Patrick Doherty for giving us the content. I mean, uh, his article on NBC Sports ranking Joe Judge number 23 of, of 25, uh, excluding the first-year coaches. So uh, Judge is, I guess, being counted as a second-year coach already. Um, and he is ranked number 23 of 25. Just, <laughs> I know you have some takes on this, but let me just let me just read what what Doherty wrote, and then I can let you react to this, Dan. So, oh, I have thoughts. So he writes. <laughs> so do I. So he have, he has he writes that the front office is throwing weapons at the issue, but it will fall on Judge to make lemonade out of Jones's lemons. He's talking about Daniel Jones. So down on Judge, down on Jones. I know this always riles you up, Dan. Anyone who's down on Judge and Jones, look out. So one <laughs> one of the two, you know, you could probably handle, but both. I mean, look out. Um, Judge can sometimes feel like a, quote, football guy parody, though he has successfully towed the line of instilling a hard-nosed attitude while keeping his players' respect. There's a chance 2020 was Judge's ceiling. The fact it wasn't the floor campaign so many were expecting was a surprising, encouraging development. So uh, ranking Joe Judge as uh, one of the worst coaches in the league, excluding the first-year coaches, Dan, your thoughts? 
Well, I, I love the criticism, first of all, that, that, that um, Joe Judge's offense didn't improve in the second year, uh, when, of course, there was no second year. Um, 2021 will be the second year there. Right, right. That was the um, first year. Yeah, I also get a kick out of the whole, he's one of the worst coaches in the NFL. He's a football guy parody. 2020 could be a ceiling. But, hey, his eyes are pretty, so I'm complimenting him. I, I, I said this, and I've said this a few times on Twitter. I've said it to the Giants where writers have said it to fans. The Eagles-Giants games this season are going to be going to be so remarkably intense that I don't recall in my life covering the Giants a time where they were this hyped and this tense already. And we're months away from, you know, when these two teams are going to meet together. Um, Nordia, of course, being an Eagles fan, um, took exception to judge Raken, you know, Peterson and the Eagles over the coals for their unbelievably embarrassing and pathetic tank job to end last season. And I'm not going to shy away from that. I don't care how many times people say I need to stop, you know, hammering that home. They insulted the game. They insulted the players. They insulted the owners. They insulted the fans. I'm never going to forgive them for that. Joe Judge is never going to forgive them for that. He's never going to take back what he said. No matter how many times these Eagles writers rank him as among the worst and call him a football guy parody for being overly emotional about that, it's never going to matter. He meant what he said. He, you know, he means it to this day. He's not going to rehash it. But I will on his behalf. It was pathetic. It was embarrassing. It doesn't make him a football guy parody. It makes him real. It makes him honest. And he shared an emotion and a thought that the vast majority of us across the league felt. Um, obviously, the Eagles felt the same way. And I, and I love how this gets ignored in the whole thing. Peterson got sent packing, not because he did a bad job, but because he humiliated the franchise and insulted the league. And, you know, be as mad as you, you want a judge for saying that. But it was something all of us were thinking. Dan, when you, if you're going to call Judge a parody, shouldn't you go back to the preseason when he was – this is where I got – like we talked about it on the pod early on last year. It's like he's having the coaches run laps. He's being really Belichick-y. And that was a little bit of a football guy parody, right? That's when we were <laughs> like, all right, Judge, like we don't know about you. So for me, at least, I, he had to win me over. And I was like, I don't know about Joe Judge. Like, you know, I'm a Patriots guy over here. I know you, you, very, you very slyly mentioned 2007. So that stake just got driven through me. A I, I, ever since you said that, I've been trying to recover, Dan. Don't bring up 2007. So I, 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 he had to win me over because I wasn't convinced. He's a young guy and the Patriots organization wants to be Belichick. I've seen that thing play out too many times with other coaches. So I wasn't ready to just go all in on Judge. Uh, but then I think... The first moment where I'm like, all right, we might be onto something here was the Mark Colombo moment mm -hmm. when, you know, Colombo's offensive line is sucking and he couldn't handle the head coach stepping in to fix it. And he's talking back to the coach or that relationship's frayed and Judge says, you know what? Don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way right. out. Right? Like, get out of right. here. And he, he fired him. And I thought that was I'm like, all right, that's leadership. And then I'm, I'm sorry, like you, you hit on it. You mentioned it in the article. And I didn't realize that the, uh, you know, judges' comments on the Eagles after that that tank job was the reason that Doherty is calling him the uh, football parody, mm -hmm. and he's ranking him twenty third out of twenty five coaches that he ranked. But, uh, you know, I, this is when I got to L bomb status with Joe Judge, because, I mean, he lights up Doug Peterson, who replaces Jalen Hurts who's their quarterback of the future, by the right. way, right? They passed on Justin Fields. They made some moves in the draft, and they could have had Justin Fields if they wanted to. Uh, but they were, they're all in on Jalen Hurts, but they replaced Jalen Hurts in that game against Washington, Dan, for who? Nate, something named Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld. Uh, 
<laughs> whoever the hell that is, for no reason other than the tank. And I just thought Judge ripping them was just beautiful. It was just it was leadership, right? And I love I thought that was like you said, disgraceful on Peterson. Bad look for the Eagles, terrible look for the NFL in a game that, you know, say what you want about the NFC East and whether that should have been a game with high implications. It did for multiple teams that had playoff implications. It was in prime time at the end of the year, and that game was a freaking joke because something named Nate Sudfeld was put in the game for the Eagles to play quarterback uh, for no reason other than the tank. So uh, I think Doherty is... Uh, I, I didn't realize that he was an Eagles fan, Dan, <laughs> when I was crafting my take here. I thought he missed, but now I understand why he's missing so wildly. It's because right. he's an Eagles fan, and he doesn't and want to admit that the Eagles were wrong, and they were. I mean, that was embarrassing. Listen, it's he's not the first Eagles writer to take a similar stance this offseason. There's been there's been exchanges between Giants press and, and Eagles press and, and, and former Giants uh, players Giants and former and... Eagles players and Giants wires and Eagles wire. And uh, that's yeah, what I'm what is, saying. It's, what's Eagles wire think about this? Maybe we should get that uh, we, we've, uh, we've had our exchanges on Twitter. We've had our exchanges. Um, Are they ranking judge at the, at the bottom of their list too? Oh, uh, Eagles wire? You know, they didn't necessarily say, but um, they <laughs> seem to be enjoying any, every bit of dirt that's kicked on judge. They're, they're but, afraid of Dan Benton. That's what it is. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how, that pans out this season like i said i'm i've never looked forward to games quite like i'm looking forward to the eagles giants games this season i think they're going to be incredibly intense on the field i think they're going to be incredibly intense on the sidelines and honestly if i'm being completely truthful i think they're going to be incredibly intense in the press box too because the bottom line is is philadelphia does not like new york new york does not like philadelphia and there's just no hiding it at this point i think the tank job last year and the respective sides that everybody took changed it from just professional to almost personal. And when you look at some takes like this, you could tell that they're obviously personal. Uh, the exchanges that happened on Twitter after the fact, which included, you know, former giants like Carl Banks, who's a legend, and even some other writers like Josina Anderson weighed in. Some other writers also weighed in. Other players weighed in. Uh, obviously, it's an emotionally charged topic. And, um, you know, the Eagles guys and the Giants guys don't, they don't seem to be seeing eye to eye on things, particularly <laughs> as it relates to that tank. And um, yeah, it's going to be a wild year. It's a shame that we have to wait till late in the season uh, for those two teams to to go at it because it's it's boy, it's going to be one heck of a week leading up to those games. I'll tell you what. Well, let's not wish the summer away quite yet, Dan. Right? We got to recharge <laughs> the batteries. We're in the process of recharging here. But no, I mean, uh, I, I just like you know, Eagles fans have such a good they have such a good counter comeback. You know, had to give Nate some reps. Had to give Sudfield some re- uh, reps. Got to see what we got there. See if Jalen Hurts is really the guy. Had to yeah, get made on the field. Right. What a mm-hmm. bunch of crap. Listen, how many coaches have found themselves in hot water for not playing their future franchise quarterback early enough, often enough, you know, you know, getting them as much experience as possible? There's no excuse. It, it, you know, if you're, it's fine. If you're going to lose, you're going to lose. If you're not going to win the division, you're not going to win the division. If you're trying to prepare for next year, well, what are you doing in that scenario? You're you, all you're doing is hurting yourself. If that's the argument that you make, then, you know, how do you defend either side of that? If you're an Eagles fan or an Eagles writer on one hand, you're tanking. It's an obvious tank and it's a joke. Or if you want to argue the fact, you know, that it's the other side of that coin. Well, then how do you defend the Eagles for wasting an opportunity for Hertz to get some experience? Either way, it's a terrible decision which obviously is why Peterson got sent packing, but let's not kid ourselves. It wasn't because he put Sudfeld in there. It was because he deliberately tanked, and that's all there is to it. Well, I can tell you this, Dan, that'll never happen. (laughs) 
while Judge is head coach of the Never. New York Giants. That's, Never. that's not going to happen. So um, just phenomenal. And and I do so I do want to thank uh, Patrick Doherty of NBC Sports. Um, who's apparently an Eagles fan. Oh, boy. No, that, that does add a layer to this. But anyway, I want to thank him for the content because it is early June here. So uh, appreciate the content. You know, that's, yeah. that's tremendous. That, that lit the Twitter world oh, on it's, fire. Oh, right? it's been great. It's been How, it's many, been how many shares did you say it had? 14,000 Something shares. like that. Yeah, for an article is, is pretty crazy. Um, you know, but it, it is funny, like, you know, we're in the, the summer. We're kind of getting towards the mandatory mini camps. We're through rookie mini camps now, but we're not in the – you know, we're out, we're away from the you know busy period of the NFL for sure, mm-hmm. um, and but the national media still just wants to go out there and rip Daniel Jones, rip Joe Judge, <laughs> and every every chance they get. There's a couple guys that like Daniel Jones, uh, you know those two, but there's a lot out there that just they're finding any any chance they can get. Dan, they're they're writing an article ranking them at the bottom. It, it is yep. it is you know I think it, Daniel Jones is called a coach killer. Right, by yeah, someone. that's that's what it was. It was Jason Lacaforo. That was Jason, okay. coach killer. Yeah. Yep. He's, so that he's just that guy. thing continues mm-hmm. through the uh, offseason. So obviously it's, uh, you know, we talked about on our last recording a couple weeks ago how the Giants are all in on Jones. I mean, they all they did this offseason is surround him with talent and beef yeah. up the offense. And uh, it's going to be a prove it time, you know. So it, is. It, it seems like the national media, even outside of Philly, still down on Daniel Jones. Right. Still, still uh, uh, yeah. yeah. It was a, that was another good conversation on Twitter the other day. The Giants beat writers for, you know, they all shared the same sentiments. It's like it's amazing to look at how Daniel Jones is covered nationally and Joe Judge is covered nationally compared to how they're covered locally and more importantly, how those two are felt about inside the building. There's such a significant disconnect between what those on the outside see and think compared to what those on the inside see and think. And I don't know if I've ever seen a discrepancy quite as significant as as this one when it comes to that. And listen, there's no denying that this is a make or break season for Jones. And I know some people are getting tired of hearing that. But that's the reality. Listen, I've been a Daniel Jones defender since day one. I remain a Daniel Jones defender because I know what I see on film. But if he doesn't succeed with what he's got this season, you know, you, what argument can you make at that point? You know, that's just time to move on. I don't foresee that scenario playing itself out. Um, I think personally that he's going to come back healthy. He was far more injured last year than I think people realize, especially those in the national media or on the outside. Um, he was severely, severely injured, as a matter of fact. Um, but he's, you know, he'll come back healthy. He's got this will be the first time since early at Duke that he has back to back seasons in the same offensive system. So I think that's going to be tremendous. He's been given a, a plethora of big time talent at wide receiver and tight end. He's got Saquon Barkley coming back. And really, I think the offensive line is going to play better. I, I'm still not 100% sold on that. But if Judge is confident in it, then I think everyone should at least have some level of confidence in that this guy knows what he's talking about. Um, I think he's proven that he sort of knows what he's talking about. Um, and no, I don't think 2020 is a ceiling uh, at all. <laughs> and I think there's a bright future for Judge. I, I also don't think that his floor was, quote unquote, as low as, as you know some suggested it was. I think there were some high expectations for Judge after his introductory press conference. Uh, maybe, maybe unrealistically high expectations after just one press conference. But if you paid attention to the Giants last season on a week-by-week basis and saw how hard that team fought for him despite their shortcomings despite their injuries despite covid despite all these hiccups that first year coaches have literally never had in the history of the nfl 
uh, because such a scenario had never played out before. Uh, I thought he did a hell of a job. And, you know, the notion that that could possibly be his ceiling, given all the adversity that they faced, it's almost a comical take, if I'm being completely honest. Well, it's a take from an Eagles fan again. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, no Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones on one leg towards the end, and they did kind of scrap and claw, and they had a chance. They did. You know, they were... They were heading to the playoffs, and we were trying to predict that at like week five or week six or whatever it was. We're like, hey, they're going to make the play. Yeah, they're one. No, what was it? Midseason. They're one and seven, but they're going to make the playoffs. We're, we're, we're convinced. And, and what I, I really, I would have loved to have seen. Listen, I don't, you know, I am not like pie in the sky. I don't think that the Giants would have, you know, gone into the playoffs and, you know, blown the doors down and gone to the Super Bowl or anything like that. But think back. They would have played Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in that first round of the playoffs. And if you look back to last season, they damn near beat the Buccaneers. Oh no! The, in Tom Brady's time. Tom Brady's kryptonite. He can't beat right. the freaking Giants. So, if the Eagles had not tanked, you know who knows what kind of conversation we'd be having today. Tom Brady would have. He wouldn't have slept for a week if he had played the Giants. <laughs> he would have had nightmares. I would have had nightmares. Again, let's not bring that up. Freaking Giants. Patriots can beat everybody but the Giants. You know, it's, well, that's it's what was so funny. I don't know if um, I think it was said after our last podcast recorded, but Tom Brady came out and said, uh, "I don't understand why Giants fans hate me. They should love me. I can't beat them." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Believe me, I'm telling you, he's scared of the Giants. He can't. He cannot beat them. He is. Uh, he's he's fractured mentally from from right. 27 uh, for 2007. And, and, you know, and how the Giants made the playoffs and won a playoff game. Then what would we be saying about Joe Judge right now? The the whole tone. And the whole narrative and the whole perception of that quote-unquote ceiling, again, I go back to that, uh, would be very different. The only reason that that can even be said is because the Eagles and Peterson tanked. So how's everything else going, Dan? It's good catching up. How's everything else going in life uh, besides you defending Joe Judd on uh, social media? <laughs> I'm just looking forward to the break. We got, we got today and tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, uh, depending on when this recording goes out, uh, left of mini camp, and then it's six and a half weeks off until training camp. Uh, quite honestly, you know, after the draft this year, I got a couple weeks to kind of mellow out a little bit. There was, you know, rookie mini camp and things like that. Um, with, with the level of heat between the Eagles writers and the Giants writers right now, I am I am like in midseason form, and I'm not even looking for I'm not even looking forward to the six and a half weeks off. I'm just ready to go. I want it to be here now. So good for business. Uh, Right. I'm really excited to get into training camp. I just want to see that everybody on the Giants stays healthy. I want to see this team at 100%, at least for a couple of weeks. I know it's not realistic to expect that long term because, listen, it's the NFL, and the NFL is a, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous sport. It's a dangerous game. It's a violent game. That's just all there is to it. But I want to see what the Giants are capable of doing under Judge in the second season this year of the offense, not last year. Um, I want to see what they're capable of doing, and I want to see that improvement. I want to see what Daniel Jones can do. And I really, 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 really want to get to the Giants-Eagles games and, <laughs> and enjoy those couple weeks. But, yeah, we got six and a half weeks coming up. Um, probably won't be doing much podcasting. We will be continuing to produce on a daily basis, although, you know, we'll hit the dead time of the NFL. And, you know, for me personally, I'll be moving to Tennessee. So that's what oh, I've got to look forward to this summer. Uh, interesting. That's what I've got to look forward to this summer. It's the wild, wild west out there in Tennessee. I don't think they have any laws. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll get to go to uh, any, you know, not this year, but whenever the Giants come visit uh, the Titans, I'll I'll be able to go check out those games out in yeah, Tennessee and yeah. Nashville. That'll be pretty. That's cool. fun. Yeah, that's the stadium's right there in downtown Nashville. It doesn't get right. much better. It's it's uh, tremendous. It's a good little spot. I've been there once. Want to go back for sure. It's a good spot. Good, it is good for you, Dan. Good for you. <laughs> so yeah, so like like Dan said, scroll through Giants Wire if you want to see all the articles about people blasting Judge and 
Daniel Jones for really no reason. Uh, it's all it's all <laughs> compiled very well right there. And, you know, we'll find out. We'll find out if the Giants are a parody of themselves. We'll, we'll find out. You know, if they suck next year after all the moves they made, then, then yeah, then the scoreboard will say they're a parody of themselves. But, you know, maybe they'll be good. I think there's a chance they'll be pretty good next year. I do. We'll I find out. do. It's going to be a fun season. I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to the next year game. I'm looking forward to a full season. In particular, I'm looking forward to loud fans being in the stands. Yeah, I can't yeah. the wait a- to hear that. The NHL playoffs has been just a blessing with the fans back. It's been right. I can't wait. It's gonna be great having football back, man. So it is it's uh, tremendous to to the game is so different when there are no fans oh, yeah. in the stands. And oh, yeah. you, you hear all the you know, all the players saying that already this whole season, like I can't wait to get back in there and hear it. It was so weird to play in silence. I can't imagine what that was like for athletes who have never known that before. So, yeah, definitely excited. Hopefully, MetLife will be rocking. It should be rocking. There's a lot to be excited about. The first time in about a decade, there's something to be excited about. So, hopefully, they come out and kind of create the old kind of, you know, giant stadium, MetLife stadium, home field advantage that that they had under Fossil. It's a good example because um, in that NFC Championship game we talked about against oh the Vikings, what a, that what a stadium was rocking. Oh, yeah. And I can't wait to, to hear and feel that again. No doubt about it. Can't wait to get back into football talk for the 2021 season. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back later this summer. We'll talk to y'all then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.